Today's scripture reading comes from the book of James, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted, and the moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. This is the word of our God. Good morning, Metro. If you are new or if you are just visiting for today, we are so glad that you are here with us this morning as we worship the Lord on his day. Um, immediately after service, um, we would just love to get to know you guys some more. If you guys are interested in knowing more about us, immediately after service, uh, there's a tight flex space in the back where we provide just some food and just for the sake of fellowship. Uh, so feel free to stick around after that, um, after we hear the word this morning. Uh, just right now, before we even begin, um, just want to just uh, give a congratulations to... Um, our brother and sister Heidi and Gire Jang, who just got married yesterday. If you give a round of applause. <laughs> Heidi and Gire are, um, have been interning with us the past year, and they have been uh, members for really the past few years. And what an honor and joy it has been to uh, walk with them as they have opened up their lives to us and us as well, um, to you guys. So, uh, so encouraged for you guys as a church. Let's continue to lift them up in prayer as they uh, begin this new stage of their life. At this time, we are wrapping up our sermon series on the gospel according to James. Uh, the book of James is uh, uh, what we would say is New Testament wisdom. It's the Proverbs of the New Testament. And it kind of walks us through uh, different topics. Let it be our trials. Let it be community. Let it be mercy or justice. And James kind of navigates us towards that life and what it means to walk in light of the gospel. So as we wrap up in chapter 5, I'm going to ask that you guys would join me in prayer this morning. Lord God, we come before you. We 
honor you. We cherish you, your name, and your name only. We celebrate you. And Lord God, at this time, Lord God, we praise you for what you have done. We praise you, Lord God, that we get to celebrate new life and new relationships, Lord God, coming to fruition, Lord God. And Father, on this day, may you be glorified. Uh, Lord, for all of us here this morning, Lord God, we pray, Lord God, that we will hear your word. Lord God, that you will convict us, Lord God, of the things that you have called us to be convicted by. And Lord God, at the same time, Lord, I pray that you will use me. Lord God, you know where I am. You know how frail and weak my body is. But Lord God, I pray that you will fill me with the Holy Spirit right now, Lord God, that you will strengthen me, Lord God, that the word will be shared in confidence and in boldness. Lord God, I desire to be an instrument within the Redeemer's hands. So may you use me accordingly to your strength. We praise you, we thank you, and in your Son's name we pray. Amen. Not too long ago, I had a conversation with an acquaintance, and the topic of justice came up. Specifically, it was regarding racial injustice and racial reconciliation. And I began to share some of my personal convictions and thoughts, and he then had this confused look, and he said to me, Brian, why do you care? You're not black. I looked at the brother and I responded, true, good observation. I am not black. See, his argument was that the issue of racial injustice and racial reconciliation shouldn't really be an issue for us because it has nothing to do with us Asians. But my argument simply was to say that the issue of racial injustice and racial reconciliation should matter, and it should matter for all Christians despite race and ethnicity. Because in some shape or form, you and I are all affected. Let it be your own narrative. Maybe it's the person sitting right next to you. Maybe it be your family, a co-worker, your neighbor. Racial injustice affects us all. See, we should care because in the past few years, due to our smartphones and advancement in technology, we are witnessing injustice all over the world. The names of innocent black lives being hashtagged, the numerous videos of racism against minorities, and it genuinely scares me to witness so much hatred and bigotry. And if I'm honest with you right now, there's a great fear sharing about this to you guys. Because as a man, I stand to you as someone that knows so little, the issue being so heavy. But I share this because I do feel that God has something to say through his word about it. The question is, what 
is the Christian called to do in light of this injustice? It's a hard question to answer, but the one thing we know is that Scripture demands involvement. Micah chapter 6 verse 8 says, And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? It is a requirement. See, if God is a God of justice, then there should be a burden when we witness injustice within our communities, cities, and nations. And in James chapter 5, verse 1 through 11, he begins to unfold more explicitly the justice-related issues at hand. And as we go through the passage this morning, the question we're going to answer is, what does it mean to do justice? I have three points for you guys this morning. The need for justice, the pursuit towards justice, and finally, the voice of justice. The need, the pursuit, and the voice. First point, the need for justice. Verse 1, now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Now, chapter 5 is beginning with a warning against the oppressor. Verse 1 tells us that the warning is towards the rich. Now, the rich people James is referring to were wealthy landowners, and they were often accused of economic exploitation and oppression. Scholars would say that these landlords, they owned large estates and were concerned about their profit rather than the Christians that were often in need of mercy. And here, James speaks in the tones of the Old Testament prophets, and he tells them to weep and wail. Weep and wail were frequently used by the prophets to describe the reaction of the wicked when judgment day arrives. So James continues with this warning. Read verse 2 and 3 with me. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. So here James is declaring, because you have hoarded wealth, Rather than give mercy amongst the ones that were left for dead, your own greed will eat your flesh like fire. The self-righteous rich will be judged not because of the things that they have per se, but if those things that they had were at the expense of other lives. Read verse 4 through 6 with me. Look. The wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Some commentators note that in first century Palestine, there was an increased concentration of 
land in the hands of wealthy landowners. And as a result, uh, these farmers, they were often assimilated into these large estates. And these farmers were forced to earn their living by hiring themselves out to these rich landlords. It was often when these farmers, they would either be paid very little, they would get paid extremely late, or not even get paid at all. See, this system jeopardized the farmers' lives. So James is writing to his people and the people that are partaking in an unjust system where the poor are taking advantage of. They are being abused and they are being neglected. This was a time of social injustice. See, today, people often argue that we have come such a long way in terms of addressing the social issues that plagued our history. But the truth of the matter is that our society is still plagued by an unjust system today. Michelle Alexander, a civil rights litigator, a legal scholar, has a book, The New Jim Crow, and it discusses race-related issues specifically for the African-American male and mass incarceration in the United States. Michelle Alexander's main point is that mass incarceration is the new Jim Crow. In her argument, she states that more African Americans are under the control of the criminal justice system today than were enslaved ones back in 1850. See, discrimination in public housing, education, employment, voting rights, these were things that uh, Americans thought were wiped out after civil rights laws of the 1960s, but is perfectly legal against anyone labeled a felon. And since more people of color than whites are made felons by this entire system of mass incarceration, racial discrimination remains as powerful as it was under the Jim Crow era. Uh, Michelle Alexander, she defines this as a racial caste. A racial caste is a racial group uh, locked into an inferior position by law. Just as Jim Crow and slavery were caste systems, our current system of mass incarceration is also a caste system, the new Jim Crow. Simply to say, that not much has been changed, just remanufactured. Systems of injustice still exist, for sin remains in every man. And just as James is condemning the people partaking in an unjust system of oppression, the question remains, how will the church respond to the needs of the unjust May you and I not neglect the needs just like the Pharisees. Jesus in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23 says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. 
You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. In a society where sin has created separation among the classes and races, we are to pursue justice for God's very nature is justice, and the church must be on the front line. There is a great need for justice, and as Jesus himself said, we must practice justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And this leads us to the second point, the pursuit towards justice. Read verse 7 with me. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. Now here, James is encouraging uh, his believers, his people, to be patient in a time of injustice. And then he gives us an illustration of the farmer who patiently waits for the rains. See, just as the patient, as the farmer patiently waits for the autumn and spring rains for harvest, so are the oppressed are to wait for the Lord's coming. The Lord's coming is often referred to a time of shalom. Shalom is often translated as peace. But in the Bible, shalom is referring to a holistic, perfect harmonious time and place where God will reign with perfect justice, perfect rule, and perfect peace. And he's encouraging his people, persevere, press on, do not lose heart. There will be a time and place of full shalom. But what I love is that in verse 7, it gives us a little detail that as they are persevering, the farmer is still laboring. Meaning, just as the farmer is still required to plant, nourish, and work the fields until the autumn and spring rains arrives, the Christian is called to plant, nourish, the wor- and work the fields of justice until true shalom arrives. Meaning, as the farmers of faith, we are to care and to work out the fields of oppression, injustice, and civil rights. We are reminded of what Martin Luther King Jr. once said. The arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. Church, we must come in repentance for not pursuing justice as God calls us to. We must come in repentance for not planting the seeds of justice in an unjust society. In patience, we must plant and pursue. Read verse 8 and 9 with me. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. 
Now here, James tells us not only to be patient, but to stand firm. To stand firm literally means to establish your hearts. That as they wait patiently for the Lord to return, believers, you and I, we need to fortify ourselves. We need to establish ourselves for justice' sake. We must be ready to absorb the injustice and to stand firm despite the difficulty. And the question is for us right now, where does our source of patience and the ability to stand firm come from? Well, there would be another one that would stand firm for justice. There would be another one that would absorb all of the injustice. On the cross, Jesus Christ, although perfect, although sinless and spotless, the Son of God, he faced the ultimate injustice on the cross. He would experience the most cruel punishment. He would be ruthlessly mocked for who he is. He was ridiculed for what he did. He was tortured and killed on our behalf. Jesus Christ pursued justice by stripping away his privilege, his honor, and his worth. And as the church, we are to pursue justice by stripping away our privilege, our honor, and our worth. Jesus Christ experienced the ultimate injustice on the cross. He was perfectly patient, yet perfectly strong. And in the same way, will you pursue justice by confronting the injustices of the world? We are to pursue justice, for justice is rooted in the very nature of God and is shown through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Well, what does pursuing justice look like for us today? It leads to our third point, the voice. Read verse 10 with me. Brothers and sisters, and as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Now here, James is referring to the prophets that spoke beforehand. In the Old Testament, prophets, they were people who could envision things for the, on behalf of the people. And they would speak to God's people as prophets. They would say to repent, to turn away from evil, and to come to the Lord. But because of the, this prophecy, because of their role as prophets, um, they were often uh, um, ridiculed. They were often mocked. They were often persecuted because they would always speak on behalf of the poor and the marginalized and the weak. Matthew chapter 5 verse 12 says, Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. What does this mean for us? Just as the prophets were a voice on behalf of the people during unjust times, you and I are also to be a voice despite persecution. Now, when I say voice, 
I don't necessarily mean that you and I, we have to be a speaker. Uh, I'm not asking for you to be a blogger. I'm not asking you to be more uh, uh, involved with your Twitter page. Rather, to have a voice is to first and foremost cry, weep, and pray when we witness injustice. One of the major prophets named Jeremiah, a voice on behalf of God's people, was often described as the weeping prophet. And he was known as the weeping prophet because he often cried tears of brokenness. Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 10 says, I will take up weeping and wailing for the mountains and a lamentation for the pastures of the wilderness because they are laid waste so that no one passes through. See, the voice of justice is a voice of lament. Dr. Soon Chan Ra in his book, Prophetic Lament, says it this way, Lament in the Bible is a liturgical response to the reality of suffering and engages God in the context of pain and trouble. Lament recognizes the struggle of life and cries out justice against existing injustice. See, the voice of justice must begin with a voice of lament because it is the reminder that we can't pursue justice by our own. No, no, no. It must begin with a desperate cry to the Lord. Lament is the expression of pain and suffering over and an injustice. Jesus Christ on the cross when he declares and says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's him lamenting over an injustice upon him. In the same way, just as Jeremiah and the prophets lamented, just as Jesus Christ lamented on the cross, we must lament and we must allow others to lament as well. The question is, are you crying and are you allowing others to cry? If I can explain, you know, outside of pastoral ministry, I work retail. And uh, about a month ago, I ran into a very difficult situation with a customer. You know, my coworker, uh, she called me uh, because she needed my help. And as I began to walk over to my uh, coworker and the customer, she explains to me that the woman that she was working with is hearing impaired and needs a few question an questions answered. The customer would then look at us, and she shook her head, no. My coworker then, uh, she types on this iPad, and she explains to this hearing impaired woman, uh, that I was more than capable of handling the situation. But still nodding her head with a firm decline, she writes on this iPad, I won't talk to foreigners. So my coworker wrote on this iPad. She responded, he isn't a foreigner. He's American and he speaks English. 
This hearing impaired woman didn't want to hear any of it. She didn't want anything to do with me. So she left in anger. And now if I'm honest with you, if I could be transparent with you guys right now, I was angry. I was shocked. I was in disbelief. And I was very silent. I remember when I read what I read, I wanted to say something. But for whatever reason, I guess in shock, I didn't have a word to say. In some ways, you could say I lost my voice. But in that moment, my biggest encouragement was the fact that even though I did not have a voice in the moment, my coworker actually became that person. And what was more encouraging was the fact that after that incident, I began to share my frustration with my other coworkers. And it was encouraging the fact that they allowed me to share what I was feeling, and then they were also frustrated for me. See, not only were they a voice for me, but they also allowed me to be a voice. The point is this, to be a voice just like the persecuted prophets. It begins with our laments for others and for ourselves. Let us not ignore the narrative of suffering, oppression, and injustice, for narratives were meant to be read and to be heard. And in response, may we lament and cry, declaring we are in great need of a just and holy God. As we begin to land home, I'm going to ask if you read verse 11 with me. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance, have seen what the Lord finally brought about. Now here, James is referring to a prophet named Job. Who was Job? Well, in the book of Job, it tells us of this prophet who suffered much. Job's narrative is a very sad narrative, and he would lose much. He lost his family. He lost his riches. He lost his security. But he was still considered blameless and upright. Essentially, Job was a victim of injustice. And although he did complain at times, he never abandoned his faith despite the injustice towards him. And here in verse 11, James is encouraging them, the people of God, to persevere in the greatest amount of oppression similar to Job. In the same way, in a world full of injustice, may prophets like Job encourage us during these times. But more than Job, more than in Jeremiah, more than a co-worker. May your power come from the true and better Job, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the better Job. He suffered, he died, he rose again through the injustice for the sake of salvation. May you and I love, care, and defend for the ones that are in need as God loves defends and protects 
the least economical and the ones that lack in social power. To be reminded, as verse 11 says, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Will you guys join me in prayer this morning?